This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to another hot, sweltering day. Yesterday, Wednesday, Torontonians set the 2016 high for energy consumption, and that was part of the reason for several power outages across the city. But there was a second blackout at that big city place complex downtown that was not caused by that. And in the meantime, tons of complaints about lack of air conditioning in schools, a lot of people saying it was inhumane. So um, here's my thing. Yes, we're having a heat wave. And yes, it can be uncomfortable and even dangerous. So how are you making out in this weather? The numbers to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. But I also want to ask, are we also kind of spoiled by our temperature-controlled environments? And are we too lax about conserving energy? Uh, I've heard stories, you know, people are being begged to, to turn down the AC in their homes when they're not there. And uh, what did people do before AC in those schools and in all those other places when no one expected air conditioning? So on the line, I have the Independent Energy and Environment Advisor Tom Adams and Diane Sachs, Ontario's Environmental Commissioner. Hi there. Hello. Hi. Hi, Tom. Uh, so... Um, is this kind of a cautionary tale? Is this an unusual event, Diane? Uh, it, does this show that people aren't conserving enough? Well, in answer to your last question, what did we do before? Uh, the biggest difference is that climate change means that we have much higher temperatures and we have longer and more sweltering uh, heat waves. So the Schools generally and most of the infrastructure in Ontario was built for the average climate we used to have. And unfortunately, that is over and won't come back. Uh, I mean, there there is climate change, but it's, it's not a huge difference. I remember lots of uh, heat waves in September. Well, actually, if we look at the data, um, there is uh, a very significant difference that we're seeing in the last couple of decades from the average temperature of the 20th century, which is what most of our infrastructure was built for. Okay, Tom, what do you say? Well, I'd, I'd love to see the data that she's referring to, um, uh, because I've been looking at the data as well, for um, uh, you know, certainly for Ontario, and, and if you cherry-pick through the data, you can find little changes in long-term trends, um, and a little bit more summer precipitation and whatnot. But um, uh, but in terms of substantial evidence that that that, that climate change is really um, uh, causing the hot weather that we've had, um, it, it 
I, I just don't see it. But I'd be very interested to see the data that the commissioner is referring to. Okay, let's uh, leave that aside until we see the data. Um, I've got to say, anecdotally, you know, uh, I don't uh, perceive like a huge swing. We have different years. But let's just get to the situation as it is today. Um, is is the is the problem uh, the infrastructure, or is the problem uh, what people expect these days, Tom? Well, uh, Ontario's electricity demand peaked in 2005. It's been falling ever since. Um, uh, we used to we, we had a smaller population and, a, and a, a substantially smaller economy back in 2005 than we have today. Um, uh, but but we were using more power. People are really conserving. And what's happened is that as electricity prices have been going up, uh, um, customers have been responding and and demand keeps going down. What's driving up electricity prices is the the fact that the overall amount of money that has to be collected from consumers keeps rising year after year after year. Um, And so although the demand has been going down, the total amount of money that has to be collected keeps going up. So conservation itself is one of the factors that's driving up people's power rates. Wow. <laughs> that doesn't sound like much of an incentive. Well, that, that's the way the uh, uh, financial arithmetic of the power system works. Um, and we're on this treadmill where the uh, commitments made in previous years uh, um, by, you know, by the, the Ontario government have locked in higher and higher amounts of total revenue that have to be collected this year, next year, the year after. Uh, uh, as, you know, various projects get completed, then they come into service, and, some, and then the financial uh, liabilities associated with that new generation start to drive up power rates. So we, we are, we're, we're, we're going to see continuing increases in the, in the cost of power, um, you know, for the foreseeable. Uh, Diane, what's your perspective on that? Is the problem the price or the problem that we use too much? Well, we did a very detailed analysis of this in the report uh, that I delivered in May, as you probably know. It's our office that does um, the Ontario report on energy use and conservation in Ontario for the legislature every year. Um, and uh, Tom is absolutely right that energy electricity consumption in Ontario has gone down since 2005. Uh, but if you look at what is driving the cost up, conservation contributed only 4% of the global adjustment in 2015. W- we've seen three major reasons why electricity prices have gone up. Um, they're now, for residences, average for North America, where they used to be quite low. And the three major reasons are basically come down to we weren't paying the true cost of power before. Uh, First of all, in 2005, we were burning a great deal of coal, which looks cheap in the short run if you don't count what it does to people's health and to mercury in the lakes and to property damage. We don't burn coal anymore, which is one of the big reasons why last year, for the first time since records began, we didn't have any smog days. The second big thing in 2005 was that we weren't paying our way. So Ontario Hydro built up a $38 billion debt because electricity rates were kept artificially low. Um, And at the same time as we were building up this enormous debt, 
we were also letting the electrical system deteriorate so that in 2005 we were facing the risk of rotating brownouts. The whole system was running basically at the very edge of its capacity with shreds and patches. And what we now have is not only a cleaner electrical system, but one which is, um, despite what's happened this week, much more reliable. And uh, so, and the debt is being paid down. So what we had was something with electricity prices that looked cheap but weren't really paying our fair share and which was leading the system into crisis. Okay. Uh, let's take a call from Gert because it looks like her question is directly related to this. And, and Gert, um, you uh, want to know if hydro, hydro rates uh, are actually going to go down because of this, correct? Correct. Um, in the, not too long ago, they said we have to raise, and it's, the, the lady answered my question, so did the other guy in a way, that they had to raise hydro because we didn't consume enough hydro during the winter. But this summer, we are consuming a lot of hydro. Will they reduce the price? But what I think is that will never happen based on what that other lady was saying. But I'm going to add something to that. They need to revamp the whole Hydro One system Get rid of uh, the guy that's earning over a million dollars. He makes more money than the prime minister. And there's probably management making as much and more as the prime minister. They need to restructure the whole thing. If we didn't have to pay those high salaries, maybe they could allot that extra money to the consumer. Tom? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm asking uh, uh, Tom what he makes of, of your comments. Yeah, um, uh, if you add together uh, uh, all the executive compensation across Ontario's total power system um, and, and compare that to the total amount of money that has to be collected, the so-called revenue requirement in the system, executive compensation doesn't account for not even a percentage point of, of the overall cost. Um, uh, the costs are, are elsewhere. And to a, a previous com- comment from the commissioner, she, she made the point that the old Ontario Hydro ran up a big debt, and all of that's true. Um, but and we we don't have that kind of debt now, um, uh, which would appear to be a, a kind of an improvement in the situation. But actually, what's happened is the debt has changed its form. It's no longer uh, obligations of uh, Crown Corporation for for debt service uh, and bonds. Instead, it's been replaced by uh, power purchase agreements that commit consumers to paying very high prices for power way out into the future, 20 and more years uh, uh, under these long-term contracts. So um, while it's true that overall debt has declined, the, the, um, the, the debt has really changed shape. And, and that's why we should, you know, we, we really have um, a reason, no, no reasonable likelihood of electricity prices coming down for decades out into the future because of these long-term commitments. Well, um, one, one thing I would like to add uh, is that uh, the Premier has recognized that hydro rates are an election issue. <laughs> so I would say that might be the only hope of getting action, any action on that. Sure, and you know the, the 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 premier gets some credit for you know starting to recognize that people are having difficulty with their uh, power rates, 
Um, but, you know, we, we've seen previous initiatives of the Ontario government to try and mitigate the cost of electricity. Uh, back in 2010, um, uh, in the immediate run-up to the 2011 election, the government included, um, uh, introduced a subsidy program called the Ontario Clean Energy Benefit. Uh, more recently, uh, when the Ontario Clean Energy Benefit was finally uh, came to a close, they replaced it with a uh, Ontario Electricity Support Program, another uh, subsidy program. These are band-aids that really don't address the underlying problem of um, the overall uh, uh, cost that has to be collected from somebody to pay these outrageous and, and, and imprudently incurred costs. Yeah. Uh, Can I add something to that? Sure, go ahead. If they need the extra money, we have a lottery system that they could probably devise because everybody will have that $1 bill. When you can turn around and give a $50 million prize for Lotto Max, plus the million dollar. Reduce our prices on our hydro, especially the delivery charge, turn around and subsidize a lottery system to give these extra that we need. I guess it's it's a thought. Um, Gerd, thanks for your call. Uh, let's hear let's hear from Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Yeah, I've been complaining about hydro rates for a long time and the fact that it is costing us a lot of jobs. And the government seems to think that we as individuals should be paying whatever the freight rate is on a hydro, which is not maybe the way to go about it. The reason is uh, that... They have tried these conservation areas, and we're paying for them now. It's just like Pepsi paying you to buy Coke and giving you a rebate, and that's what they've done. But the problem is our infrastructure was basically built years ago, and it was built when we everybody had a house. It was anywhere from 400, uh, 800 to 1,200 square feet, and we had four four to six people living in it. Now we have, you know, houses within 50 kilometers of of uh, the CN Tower in any direction. They're building on it. But these houses today, you've got two people living in houses anywhere. The small ones are 2,400 square feet. The average is 4,500 square feet, and they go up to 15,000. Not, not the ones close to the CN Tower. Those are little little no, condo no, boxes, and some of them are 500 square feet. But where the government is making its mistake, it's that hydro rates are too, too, much, much too high for industry. So, therefore, like in Timmins alone, one plant shut down and moved across the border to Quebec. And it was 600 people, 600 people out of work because of it because of hydro rates only. Uh, and that was a, a mill that was operating efficiently, but they couldn't pay the hydro rates. They got a good deal out of Quebec. They moved over there. The provincial government has to understand that we may not be able to pay the hydro, that is the money to cover hydro, out of the hydro rates. We may have to maybe put 1% extra on our provincial sales tax. But we have to give people some means of paying a reasonable hydro rate. Well, that's 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 an interesting thought, Bob. Thanks for your call. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Uh, that is all the time we have for this segment. Thank you so much, uh, Tom Adams and Diane Sachs. Appreciate your input. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.